Daniel. And I'm Pat. And this is Y2K Movies. A podcast about the films of the 21st century. This week we're looking at Kids vs. Aliens. An all-time rager of a teen house party turns to terror when aliens attack, forcing two warring siblings to band together to survive the night. Uh, Kids vs. Aliens premiered September 23rd, 2022 at Fantastic Fest and then hit video on demand in the theaters just this January 20th, 2023. So big question, is it a 2022 or 2023 film? But uh, I caught it VOD just this past week. I thought it was absolutely fucking phenomenal. Um, told Danny Boy about it immediately so that we could <laughs> rush this episode into production. We're kind of like South Park here and, and, and how quick our turnaround time can be. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we wait till the, uh, we wait literally the, uh, the night before, it, before it, we, submitting. Right. We could, we, we, we have the potential to have that South Park turnaround time. Doesn't always work out like that, but this movie was so good and it's so, it's so hot off the presses that, um, I don't know, man. I, I, I wanted to get this episode out here because I want to just scream it from the mountaintops. This movie fucking rules. So uh, was... I agree. It, no, it was a lot of fun. I, I had a lot of fun watching it. And <clears throat> also, probably one of the best parts about this movie is what? It's like an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. Sneeze and you miss it. Yeah. So And it does go by pretty fast, too. Uh, the pacing of the film. I mean, it doesn't really you know, you are on a ride and it is taking you there. So right. I, I don't like, I don't think I was bored at all through the film. Uh, it doesn't give you, it doesn't give you enough time to be bored, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I love that it, it is a spinoff from VHS. Uh, right. Which wanna, I, it, it was from the second v- VHS, right? Yeah. VHS two slumber party alien abduction, which I was not aware of. So I, I came across this movie on Twitter because uh, mutual of mine, Vera drew, who is the writer director behind the people's Joker, which hopefully we'll cover at some point this season. I uh, it's like a found foot. Well, it's kind of hard to describe. Uh, basically Vera took a bunch of um, green screen footage and then existing footage from Batman movies and used deep fake technology and a bunch of other stuff. And also had other filmmakers submit parts of it. I shot a part of it with from the show Mike Vanderbilt. And um, told this completely unique original story about the uh, Harlequin, um, Harley, who wants to go be a Joker. But only boys can be Jokers and girls have to be Harley Quinns. I don't want to give away the plot of that movie. It's not important. But anyway, she's saying the praises for this movie on Twitter. I decided to check it out because it looked vaguely like something I should watch with my children. And um, we watched it Friday night. And it wasn't an, I realized pretty quick um, what I was getting into and that this was, number one, you're right, a, uh, a spinoff of my favorite VHS segment, which I'm pretty sure I probably even name dropped when we did our VHS 99 episode. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure too. Because yeah, I want to sl- say it was in both of our like top stories done by that right. franchise. And then something that I didn't even know is that writer director Jason Eisner, who was responsible for this, also did um, Hobo with a Shotgun. Which have you ever seen that? Uh, I, I I never finished it, 
but I meant to. I was just okay. kind of not in the right like headspace. So that so was it just kind of got tucked under. Did you see? Um, so Hobo with a Shotgun was something that was originally conceived. It was a short film for the Grindhouse, uh, Quentin Tarantino, yeah. Robert Rodriguez thing, and they wanted fake trailers, and it was something that you could submit to, and he had submitted Hobo with a Shotgun, and I think there was another one too that won, but in, in certain certain areas got different of the Grindhouse release, got different fake trailers. Hobo with a Shotgun was the one that I remember, um, but I think there was another one too. Anyway. Uh, he turned that into a feature-length film with Rudger Hauer, which uh, I absolutely loved. I thought it was great. It also featured some of the uh, Trailer Park Boys. And um, then also did the movie Treevenge. Did you ever see that? I did not see that. It's where they cut down a tree from uh, from the woods and like bring it into the house for like a Christmas tree. But the tree comes alive and attacks the family. It's very, it's very evil dead. Uh, but another huh. thing worth checking out. So this this director I was aware of. And um, when I saw that this movie was from him, it uh, it only made me all the more exciting. Because this is kind of like, and I, I should say this, this was released by Daily Grind. Uh, not Daily Grind. <laughs> Fuck. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> careful there. Uh, it was released by <laughs> Bloody Disgusting, who I have a uh, somewhat long history of writing for. But um, yeah, I, I just want to say that like this is this was kind of not like your Shutter original. It, it was it was a very much a, aesthetically it was a breath of fresh air because it did kind of feel more in line with like a trauma film than it did with um, a, a Shutter original or an A twenty four horror movie. Uh, it was very kind of slapsticky. The dialogue it was very fast paced. Um, the kids were uh, kids on bikes. You know what I mean? It was definitely had that kids on bikes motif, but they're very foul mouth and had a weird obsession with professional wrestling, which I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum, but you know, <laughs> Hey, go for it. And had really disturbing alien mechanics, which oh, I thought, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was definitely a plus. I thought the design of the aliens and just the, uh, I guess the way that they were acting and moving and, and being played with, like that was really cool. Yeah. It was, it reminded me a lot of bad taste. Did you ever see that? The Peter Jackson movie? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Especially with the, when vomit. you said Peter Jackson, I was like, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I didn't even think about that. Oh yeah. Cause the eye, that's how the aliens, they're not, the character design isn't exactly the same as the Peter Jackson, uh, bad taste aliens, but they kind of have those big heads with the sunken eyes. The black yeah. eyes aren't shown as like black, uh, uh, organs, right. It's more like, like hollow, like concave right. sockets. And that was similar. And then obviously the vomiting into the, into the thing, but there was a lot of like, and the, uh, the the eating right the eating of them yeah and like just the, <clears throat> i was gonna say that's both too right that 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 is bad taste right the whole like i think human, that's worth like it. flesh thing yeah but there was like, it, it was, was like they were eating them there was something. a lot of body horror transformation stuff which is yeah it was uh i mean it was a really early on 
Jackson film, wasn't it? That I I can't remember if that that might have been his first one. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like one of those ones that like I think I watched specifically because it was one of Jackson's like earlier, or if not his first movie. Yeah, it's in the the first and three are dead and alive. It's really short too. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, the first three are dead alive, um, bad taste, and then meet the feebles. And I knew of those three movies in high school, and I remember. That was the Peter Jackson that I knew. And then yeah, I knew the, Dead Alive. I did to not know hear, the other one. To hear in like the late 90s that he had been given Lord of the Rings was kind of like, what the fuck? Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> that was, I mean, honestly, it, it's paramount to James Gunn, who did Tromeo and Juliet, somehow being given like a Superman movie. And you're like, holy shit. Well, good for yeah. you, bro. Like, you came up. But, um, you yeah, know, I really yeah. liked. Yeah, going like doing doing those. Those were some of those movies that uh, I definitely went back for just to see how they were. But you're right, like watching Peter Jackson's like Dead Alive, and then watching like the Twin Tower or the Two Towers, <laughs> the Two Towers. <laughs> like that's a uh, that's one of those situations where you're just like, what the fuck's going on here? Well, like, how did I, he get that? But he grew a lot. Like, he's definitely a, a different actor than he was it's almost like watching like sam raimi get uh all that that like his 90s run right almost like all of his 90s run like going from like evil dead and like then to army of darkness and then dark man and then well all that yeah that well that that was the 80s i'm trying to think what was that baseball movie he had for the love of the game for the love of the game that's right yeah. yeah which i actually really enjoy it's a good movie but like it is kind of funny to like look at it and be like, this movie right here is probably why he got Spider-Man. Right. So, yeah. It's fun going back, looking at earlier catalog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> um, I guess just to expand on the plot of this movie a little bit. It uh, starts off with a group of middle school kids Although they're Canadian, so who knows? I don't know what are they, grade five or whatever. How they fucking verbalize that up there? But uh, a bunch of middle school kids that like to make shitty movies with their older sister, and they their parents are very wealthy. They they have this barn on the edge of the woods that has a wrestling ring built in there, or whatever, and um, and and make you know in, in the process of making their movies, the sister kind of comes across another group of kids, some ne'er-do-wells her own age, and they uh, they take a liking to her, and they kind of uh, convince her to spend more time with them. And there's one boy in particular that, uh, Billy, I think his name is, that um, is, uh, uh, when, you know, is object of her affection, and she kind of ditches her younger brother to hang out with these older kids parents go out of town should also mention that the dad was played by jonathan torres who is j-rock on uh the trailer park boys so um once again there's there's some connection between the filmmaker and the trailer park boys because there's been some crossover stuff there but anyway parents go out of town leaving the siblings uh home alone older sister decides to throw a party party gets interrupted by an alien invasion. And uh, I got to say that that party 
is um, I threw parties like that in high school. Seriously. And it was, it was fun to see that whenever, whenever my mom went out of town, I would throw a party like that. And when I moved out of the house and was in my early twenties and she would go on vacation, I'd go back home and throw a party like that. Dude, even <laughs> when I didn't, my parents went away. I went back to their house and I would throw like yes. a party. Like it, like like it's so funny to think about that, right? Like it's like I moved out. I have my own apartment. And shit, nah. Oh, you guys are going out of town for a week, and you uh, okay? Cool. Yeah, no, I'll stop by the house, check it out. Dude, yeah. my I'll grand- grab your mail. Like five years ago, this and I'm and I'm 41. <laughs> like five years ago. Mike Vanderbilt went out of town and we had a party at his house. He had given his sister the keys to pick up his mail and we were like, fuck it. Dude, that is no, that that is so funny. And threw that a party at his do. house and that took a bunch amazing. of pictures and fucking <laughs> I'm <laughs> taking this shit out of your to toilet, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah, funny. It, like, yes, that's exactly what you do. Yes. So I can I can I can identify with that. But the the way they um and like you mentioned before, this is a seventy five minute movie, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing. So the aliens uh I think they're alluded to fairly early on, but we really they they start to um their attack happens about halfway through. And uh them breaking up the party scene to just start grabbing people is very intense and genuinely horrific for being still kind of lo-fi and Mm -hmm. you know it's all practical effects i don't think there's i don't think there's any digital effects in this movie i think it's all pretty much practical effects um for the most part there might be like some kind of lighting or, or some type of light cgi but for the most you know it's people in suits you know it's splatter it's green goo you know, and when when those when those aliens run into that party and they just like lunge forward with their one hand extended, yeah, and like grab people and then pull them back, and it's definitely it's, like invasion of the body snatcher. It's very feel. effective, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very like because it makes them look <clears throat> even more massive, and um, you know the alien scene. It's great pacing. They show the monsters. There's no lurking in the shadows. What does it look like? Like you see these motherfuckers from yeah. the second they kick through the like full body. <laughs> yeah, and I gotta say, I, lo- I love that. I love seeing a good monster. Don't you know? You could tease it for a little bit in some instances or some, you know. But I, I think right. if, if you ask me which I prefer, I prefer to see the monster. And I, um, yeah, I like to see the monster. I feel like. Uh... That sometimes that makes or break a movie for me. To be honest, yeah. like it, especially if like you show the monster, and it's like good looking. Like that's one of those things where I'm just like, fuck every negative thing I thought about because this just made me love the movie. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, Kids versus Aliens has a very, uh, it has a bunch of scenes in it that I actually wish I would have saw in the summer blockbuster. Nope. <laughs> and there was a lot of things that while I was watching this movie where I kind of wished Nope was like and I don't know it kind of pissed me off because I was like this is one of those things where like even that alien design like right like so in the movie Nope the uh, I guess quote unquote alien design for the like the uh, more humanoid was like owls but yeah, they kind of that- have the same features and the, and 
not only that, but the way that these aliens were moving in Kids versus Aliens, they were like they were kind of moving like that whole uh, barn scene, and and nope. And I was like, this is what I really wanted. I actually wanted physical, like I can't say physical, but I wanted multiple beings. I wanted them to be more humanoid or uh, something like that instead of an actual flying saucer. But I, I still respect his choice of what he went with because I still enjoyed the movie. But this is one of those movies that made me realize what Nope could have had. <laughs> you know what I mean? But um, right. Well, I think I mean no, because I like this because we'll, we'll compare this to Nope because fuck it. But um, <laughs> yeah, this is what happened. This is what Nope was missing. You're absolutely right, and this is what you miss out on when you make your alien the fucking spaceship is you don't have this. And I got to say this, this had a really funky spaceship design too. I don't know if you noticed that. Oh yeah, looked, dude, it was weird. It looked almost like a beholder from Dungeons and Dragons. Like it was kind of like an asteroid with some shit hanging out of it. Like yeah. it was not, it was not your typical flying saucer. It was, um, yeah, it had a little bit more to it and you couldn't see it that well. Cause Th- it was that actually may have been the uh, CGI too. Okay. Those may have been CGI'd. So, um, but yeah, it was it, it was <coughs> something that you know, Nope is in essence just a flying saucer movie, right? Just a flying saucer movie, and this is this shows you what Nope was missing, you know? right? And um, you know, did you notice that I I couldn't? It's been a while since I watched VHS too, but a big part of this movie has to do with. The ship landing in the lake. Yeah. Now, this is me just kind of being like, you know, I don't know, playing internet detective here. But I seem to remember an aspect of Slumber Party Massacre being them dragged into the, getting dragged into the water as well, correct? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what happens. They're like dragged into the water, like where the, uh, the craft is. Right. And looking at, uh, director, uh, director Jesse Eisen, Eisner's uh, IMDb page, his upcoming project in development is listed as Untitled Underwater Jesse Eisner Film. So I don't know if he's like a low-rank Canadian James Cameron where he just likes <laughs> filming in the water for some reason, but that seemed to have been a recurring motif here. Uh, if it was in the short and it was in this as well. Um, you know, they do go to great lengths to have her put on this wetsuit and go underwater and, and do that. I thought that that was a little, for a 75 minute movie, that was an interesting thing to spend about five minutes on was, was the underwater aspect and her kind of swimming and, you know, um, right. I, I can see that. Maybe you didn't that have was also to- one. Like, I don't know. I, yeah, you, you probably didn't have to do that. Also, her doing that and then not having that stuff coming out of it, but right. still be able to breach and everything. I don't know. At one point, I tried to justify it by maybe it was him trying to show maybe like how well off her family was. And that because like that showed like a like she knew how to operate with that stuff. It feels but, like, like an I felt like a, I was really digging, though. To like figure out why that would have even been in there, I, I, uh, I feel like it was an auteur thing. You know what I mean? Where like some filmmakers, you know, the auteur theory is that some filmmakers have such a pronounced vision and storytelling style that you don't even have to know that it's them 
you can watch their movie and know that it's them. And right. This felt like he's got some weird underwater thing going on. And right. then just the fact that his next movie is simply labeled on IMDb as untitled underwater Jesse Eisner film. Uh, so that must be that must be something of his. Where I don't know something about water. Right. He, he likes filming in it, or he's just like I said. Next, James Cameron, good for him. Um, <laughs> but they are going to make uh, not, not to get too much into the the ending, which I mean, I guess we could delve into as much as you want. But uh, there are, I, according to uh, Wikipedia, there are uh, tentative plans to make more sequels. And oh they, shit, yeah, they definitely leave uh, at least two or three different dangling plot uh, threads. Right. Where you, you could see them doing sequels, um, which I didn't really mind. You know, usually I think that it's kind of presumptuous if you were to leave a movie that open-ended. Um, you know, the the one thing that I th- did, and did you sit through the credits as well? Uh, I actually didn't. And whenever I logged back into Amazon today to watch something, I noticed that there was like, a, like more on, like, you know how like it gives you how much you've watched. Uh, I think that there it, is there something at the end of it. Yeah, at the very and I'll just say what it is right. Here. Okay, that's fine. But yeah, at the end, uh, at the very end credit after credit scene, the parents return home uh, to find the house destroyed, and <laughs> there's that one camera that the brothers were using upstairs in the bedroom that they were using to broadcast to the party downstairs. Right, and you're seeing everything through that point of view, so it's kind of a return to the VHS found footage thing. And nice. the, parents, the parents walk back and forth, looking through the house, being like, "What the fuck?" And as they're walking back and forth, there's an alien that's kind of stalking them back and forth too. Until oh, finally, dude. the mom comes in the bedroom and sees the camera and picks it up, and then the alien comes up from behind her and like throws up on her. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. I'm yeah. Watch that after this. So don't kind of worry. saying that, that like not only are the aliens are still out there and they're they're transforming, they're building an army. Um, right, because that's when an when an alien vomits on you. That's when you turn into Dallas with the knives for the hand. Yeah, right. Um, but she looked but cool it, too. I thought that was a cool design. It was it was all right enough. I well, mean, it I was like it, interesting. Like it was, it was like fun. Wolverine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I thought of Freddy Krueger mixed with uh, oh, what's his name from Mortal Kombat? Oh, uh, uh, Baraka. Baraka. There you go. I can't believe I remember that dude. That's amazing. Out of everybody, I knew that you'd be the one to remember. That's why I brought it up to you. I I gotta say, like the 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 one moment from the from the ending where I was like, "Oh damn!" is when they opened up the case and the sword fits perfectly in that per- case. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> like they 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 do some they. I like the way I like that ending. I like what the yeah, sets up for because it goes it go anywhere. Like right, they, like the lore and yeah, uh, just like everything that's about to happen. Yeah, no, I'm super excited about that. Yeah, put that in a, at the very least. Put that shit in a comic <laughs> book, and I will fucking read that. You know. Oh, for sure. This is definitely worthy of that. Actually, honestly, like this, this is one of those things that I was thinking about. Uh, like if this becomes like a a big franchise, like I could see. Uh, the sister becoming almost like one of those like Ash like characters, right? In a franchise. 
Yeah, she was. I like, liked her. Like, I felt like she was like a. You know, she's really young. She's young enough right now to kind of like grow up with it. I'm, I'm the fat weird little kid. Uh, fucking Jack. <laughs> You're talking about Jack. My daughter was that gets stabbed. I'm glad they stabbed one of the kids. I, oh, yeah. I, I, I truly cool. I don't pull no fucking punches. You gotta fuck up at least one of those little guys. Come on. Right. You know. But my daughter was like, she she could not stop laughing at the fact that he was the guy that got stabbed. I mean, he was laying there with his eyes bulging out and shit. It was <laughs> uh, it was uh man, it was a good time. It was a real good time. And I hope yeah. they do I hope they do more of these. It was um I don't know what the, I don't know what it costs to make. I guess let's see if that's on IMDb or on. Uh, sometimes they have that shit on um, like Wikipedia. Wikipedia or Hopefully, it makes its money back. I would definitely, definitely I think you, it yeah. should. Now, how did you watch this? Was this on Shutter? Did you do Amazon? I did look on Shutter, but it was not. Uh, okay, I did have to buy. I actually bought it on Amazon. I said fuck it. When I saw me knowing that it was a spinoff of. Uh, slumber party alien abduction and then also knowing that rlje was behind it um i felt pretty confident that i'd like it enough to buy it and it was only like 13 or 14 dollars on amazon so i was like fuck it uh and i don't regret it at all (laughs) it was definitely one of those things that it was like i said man it, it was fun to watch and like you said that whole i mean we're just echoing we're in the echo chamber now right like it just it was really good it it was uh it was just so much fun like there was just so much fun i had watching this yeah same here the only only advice i have is uh watch it with the subtitles on because you might miss some really great fucking dialogue oh <laughs> it's very quick back and forth with the kids yeah and i it took me a minute to get the sub i'm like i need the subtitles for this one i'm glad i did because the the vulgarity is great. They have some when they're fucking talking shit to each other. It's really good. Uh, Did it yeah. remind you like of it? Because that's what it, or like Stand by Me. You know, not. I think Stand by Me is a little bit too wholesome and old timey. I mean, I mean more towards like the guy, like the kids, like just their uh, their relationship. I should say. Like I felt like, uh, especially with it, this the new success of the uh, of the new it's that it came out, chapter one and two. I just feel like the way that the children act in that that was one of those uh, movies that maybe set a standard for how children now act, like a group of kids now act in a horror film or a dark comedy. Well, it definitely it <clears throat> okay. So I, I brought this up earlier, but I, I kind of use it as a throwing line. There's there's kind of a um, aesthetic that's becoming more pronounced now called kids on bikes, and this is there's actually a, a role playing game that uh, I won't compare it to Dungeons and Dragons because of, mechanically it's completely different, but it's a tabletop role playing game in the vein of Dungeons and Dragons, and it's called Kids on Bikes. And basically what you do is you play a group of kids on bikes and, you know, you can either, you could be a a teenager, uh, a kid on a bike, like a preteen, a teenager, or an adult, right? And the adults are parents, school teachers, the town sheriff, whatever. Uh, The teenagers are 
either the older sister or the bully or, or whatever. And then the, the kids on bikes are the kids on bikes, right? And you basically, you use the different mechanics of the game to tell your own story. And you're supposed to come up with something like this or like it or like, you know, uh, I don't know, anything from a movie from, or, or uh, Stranger Things or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's kind of like something that we're starting to realize is an aesthetic for storytelling that survives different types of, of plots, right? It's something that we can reuse over and over again. Kind of like when Die Hard came out and they realized, oh, we can have one lone guy in a situation versus an, um, a group of terrorists. And we can kind of fudge the details a little bit here and there. But that archetype, that that we can get a lot of mileage out of that, right? Right. Um, Violent Night is basically is literally Die Hard. It's like if Die Hard was a Christmas <laughs> movie. Like, no, it really is fucking Die Hard. Um, so this is, I think, another testament to the kids on bikes. Kids on bikes work. And it works in many different scenarios. And um, I don't know. I think it's kind of gotten too big to attribute just to Stephen King anymore. Right. Or it or Stand By Me. I think there's something. Um, there's, I don't want to sound like like magical, but there, <laughs> there's something about the kids on bikes that just works, that, that works in many different, with many different plots. Well, and this I, definitely I took advantage could, of that. I think you could say the nostalgia factor is in every modern generation, right? Yeah. Goonies. So, like I think for... Goonies, Goonies might be a better example because I feel like the writing, their shit talking is more like in Goonies. <laughs> Not that they didn't shit talk and stand by me or it, but like, well, Stand By Me was more. Uh, I think that was more of a, a a niche thing that I was doing. But like, it is more of the movie that I was really talking about. I I mean, mm-hmm. like the way that the, the dialogue in it for the kids is like, is is the profanity, the 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 comebacks, the wittiness, right? Mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like comparing it to that now however with the goonies yeah i could see this being more i think it i i like the i think this movie was written better than it which so (laughs) like definitely funnier yeah they definitely made a point for the kids to have better dialogue right like i felt like the kids were more like kids uh even with the cussing like they sounded like i was in middle school like i'm not gonna lie like sure right like you first learn you really start learning how to use fuck you start learning how to use (laughs) these words and you kind of make them a part of your daily lives in front of friends. Uh, but in the movie It, it almost seemed like a lot of it was forced. So Because that was one of my like main like cons about the dialogue of It. I did like the new chapter one and two. I did. I liked it. However, there was just some things with the kids that was just like, these motherfuckers aren't saying this. <laughs> That's well, what, like I would think. But and this one, this is like how I feel like I would probably act, especially knowing also that the parents are gone all the time. Like that, you know, they're they're, and then they're also really into wrestling. Yeah, no, these kids are definitely this like out there, yeah, weird and but fun and weird. You know, I gotcha. But like, I wasn't much into wrestling like that. Well, yeah, I didn't have a ring in my in in my barn in my backyard. I do think that was cool though. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I thought that was badass. 
They, uh, I don't know if you saw any of that 90s show that came out this weekend, but one of, one of the complaints I saw on Twitter about that 90s show is that, you know, this is entertaining and all, but it's entirely unrealistic. I've been watching this show for like four episodes and <laughs> nobody's called anyone a fag yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not trying no to laugh way. at that. <laughs> like, there's, there's I mean, no way, there's no way that you got a bunch of kids smoking weed and hanging out in a basement in Wisconsin in the '90s, and no one's called anyone a fucking homo. Like, get the hell out of here. Like, this is this is not this is this is the '90s shit. Like '90s teenagers through the lens of like 2023, and um, to a certain extent, like I feel like this movie. It probably it probably got that more right because I I feel like this is more like what I prop me and my friends probably talked like when we were in right. sixth yeah. and seventh grade like we probably like watched Beavis and Butthead and like yep. played with fireworks and swore a lot and uh, there was yeah good, there was I I didn't write down all the kids good liners but there one liners but there's some really fucking good ones there's one I can't remember what it is but it's when they're in the house. And the, the bully throws the kids on the floor, and I forget what the fuck they say to him, but it's it was so goddamn funny. Um, <laughs> but it's good. There's there's good stuff in there, and it, yeah, it's 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 not insanely clever. It's like when in doubt, when you're writing dialogue for thirteen year old boys, when in doubt, don't be clever, be vulgar. I think is a good rule of thumb, and they definitely they're just kind of like vulgar and and. Uh, it costs a lot, which right. Yep. So yeah, no, I did catch uh, that '90s show though. Uh, yeah, and I agree. I, I mean, I'll finish it and I'll probably continue watching it just to see the story keep going and developing. But I'm not really sure how I feel about the kids. It seems like they're really still like it seems like the creators weren't uh, confident enough into giving the kids their own identity, so they're basically all stealing. The identities of that '70s show, which is fine with me. I get it. I know how sequels are. I get it. But like yeah. at the same time, like I just feel like I feel like going from the '70s to the '90s. Like I, I think the uh, the girl who's kind of like Hyde, she's like the punk girl. Like I like her and everything, but like there's just there's like these little things that are just missing. But and I think what it is is that they are. You know, it's what the '90s kids are, but through 2023 lens on, and right. I'm just like, like even the show is extremely polished. The lighting is very harsh. <laughs> I'm like, this is like, uh, one thing that I saw was that this is what like kids TV shows look like right now on like Disney or Nickelodeon or something like that. Or like this to <clears throat> me, that '90s show is an ABC Family show. <laughs> and, I think it's. It's weird to watch sitcoms in general now because we're not used to we're not well, used that's to watching thing, that. Yeah, is we're that used they're to- not they're not really a sitcom, right? It's like a uh, like sitcom. Like I feel like a lot of sitcoms were filmed in front like of a live audience. So, yeah, but that ninety show is. Is it filmed in front of a live audience? Well, it, it it's it, it's so okay. There there's two types. I know, of, it, I know it has like the laugh track and it has like the. Uh, I mean, right. I know that it is a sit. Like, I know I understand it fits the sitcom like criteria. I just don't think it like. I don't know. It's not like the nine, like the the OG sitcoms, or I guess before. 
this is this sitcoms is how, really died, but this is how you have to break it down. Okay, either it's single cam or it's multi cam. Single cam, uh, a single cam show is something like The Office or right. Modern Family or Curb Your Enthusiasm or Eastbound and Down. Right, one camera. They're they're shooting around, blah blah blah. It filmed like a movie, single cam. Multicam is when you're talking about married with children, or you're talking about Night Court, or you're talking about that '70s show, or you're talking about that '90s show, or you're talking about uh, Big Bang Theory, right? Where right. they're on a set, or Friends, or Seinfeld. They're on a set. There's multiple cameras, and they're filming it, and that's multicam, right? So right. that '90s show, whether or not there's people in the seats, it's still filmed on a soundstage. Uh, multi-cam like you would the Barney Miller show or Cheers or Friends or whatever, right? Right, right. Um, And that, I think, is we're more used to consuming content like Curb Your Enthusiasm or The Office or Girls or stuff like that. Right. That's what we're more used to. And I think that whenever we go back to that multi-cam view, Two and a Half Men, Big Bang Theory, whatever, I think it's a little bit jarring. And with Netflix, where it's made just for streaming, it looks a little bit, it's especially more jarring. So, yeah, you're right. The, the lighting is very harsh. I will say this. The, the, the girl they got playing Eric Foreman's daughter is adorable. And <laughs> I, would, I, would watch her in, I, I would watch her and stuff now. Out of all the kids, she's the only one that's really likable. Um, some of the, some of the swap outs, the one for ones, I'm not yeah. a fan of Fez for the gay Asian kid. Like, I'm not against gay Asian kids either. It's just like, it feels too much like a, a swap out. Right. Right. Um, her friend being a Hyde type character. I didn't even pick up on that, but you're absolutely correct. The yeah. Kel- Kelso's not Kelso, but there is a Kelso, the, yeah. the football player kid. And then his girlfriend's Jackie. And you're right. right. It, it's, it's two apples for apples nine times out of 10. Um, that's not to say it's not without its charm. Uh, I I think it's the second episode where they go to the video store and she acts. Oh, like I love Clerk, that. She yeah, acts like Clerks that. is her favorite movie, and she keeps talking about how hot Kevin Smith is. Smith is and no, yeah, that was hilarious. No one disagrees with her, but they just kind of look at each other like, "Hmm, like okay." <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Okay." I know no, that, that was, was actually really funny because whenever she was searching for a movie, so my wife and I are watching this, <laughs> and I think I'm pretty sure the it takes place in '95 right now, so. Right. We're like watching it and yeah, it was that scene and I was thinking to myself, okay, if I was in her shoes, what movie would I want to go watch right now? And I was like, oh, it's going to be Clerks. <laughs> and next thing you know, the dude turns around like, yeah, my favorite movie is Clerks. And my wife looks at me and goes, why? Did, why? Like, how the fuck did you know that? I was like, it was, it was a guess. But I was like, I don't know. Like the night, like just... Being a kid, I was like, it, I either said that or it was going to be uh, dazed and confused. Like, I was like, those have, those are, those got to be the movies that they're going to choose. And mine, mine would have been yeah, Friday, was, Friday or uh, maybe. See, no, I thought Friday I was, Friday. I thought Friday came out in like '96 or seven, or like in the like a little later than that. No, Friday was when I was in eighth grade. So they're oh, really? they're a little bit older than me. Um, right. They are because it's ninety five and they're in high school. Well, uh, yeah, they're. I think I want to say they're freshmen. Yeah, Friday came out in ninety five. So yeah, oh, maybe okay, yeah, it, so maybe 95. it wasn't yeah. out yet. But that if I think about like 
So when I was going into um, when I was going into high school, would have been the summer of '95, and that Friday was probably out on home video by then, and I would have immediately made a copy. And me and my friends watched the shit out of that. Me and my friends, because where we grew up was right on the border of uh, <clears throat> Chicago is very segregated, and uh, movie places like Blockbusters are um, nexus points. <laughs> for different cultures and right. one of the, one of the blockbusters we went to uh had would have a lot of urban film and we discovered very early on like dolmite and rudy ray moore and superfly and the master p superfly yes master p the rapper had put has like he's like or he's probably made more films than Quentin Tarantino, swear to God. Master P has like a huge library of directed video, shot on video, like gangster knockoff, low budget, just masterpieces. Yeah. And the, the blockbuster by my house would carry him and we'd rent them all and watch him and laugh our fucking white asses off at like how hysterical <laughs> this stuff was. And um, so, no, we would have, my friends that age, it would have been, it would have been like Friday and then Avenging Disco Godfather. Um, no doubt. And then and clerks too, probably, you know. Right. Yeah. But Superfly. Great film. Right, I dead. love Superfly. Yeah. That's a fun one. But yeah, no, I, I, uh, I like, I like it. Like, I don't dislike it. You know what I mean? Like that 90s show, like it's, it's definitely going to be something that we'll finish, but, uh, we're also watching that 70s show at the same time. We started it like a couple weeks ago. So, um, I've watched all of it, I think once or twice, and then I can't remember what my wife's done. But we're like, "Hey, fuck it, let's watch this." It's been a minute, and there's not really any good shows on right now, so that's what we started. And it is kind of different seeing it side by side. But I will tell you that I've we've already noticed a couple Easter eggs that were very earlier on in the first season of that '70s show that are also in that '90s show. So that was kind of cool. Like what? Uh. Oh shit! Now I gotta think about it. Oh, uh, the raisin brand thing. Um, oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. So the whole raisin brand kick. Uh, there's a scene where I want to say it's it's either Kelso or Fez. Somebody they also went upstairs in the first season for raisin brand, and they're like eating it, but it's like a knockoff version of raisin brand. And me, I think it's Kelso, and he was telling Kitty like this is like Raisin Crunch or something. <laughs> and he was like, tell Kitty, like, don't buy the knockoff version of Raisin Bran. It's like, it's Raisin Bran or nothing. And it was funny because, you know, uh, Eric's daughter goes up and she's like looking for Raisin Bran and they're all out. So that was one of those things that we caught up pretty fast. So I liked, I liked that. Like, we got to laugh at that a lot. So I want to know what the fuck they're smoking. Because to get those walls to move like that and to make a like that shit like like what the hell like yeah. in that seventy show and now in that ninety show they're like smoking and they're like fucking becoming like game like like eight bit characters and shit I'm like what the fuck I know going on? I you know I feel like that is even less funnier now that we live in a society where. And ninety percent of the country, weed is completely legal, right? Um, so it's and, like, does anybody... and like ninety-five percent of the world, it's been legal forever. Yeah. So, like, is does anybody not know? Is anyone that unfamiliar with the effects of marijuana to where 
this is passable or, or like you believe right. any of this because like exactly because like anybody anybody else is like that's not what it's like when you get right but right. well, you know what's really it's funny insulting. though is is um that's just like have you did you hear that new book that came out from like prince harry or whatever yeah i bought it for my wife okay so is it called like spare parts or spare, spare or it's called spare yeah okay so um i was listening to this podcast and they were talking about it and he goes, this is how I know Prince Harry never did mushrooms. <laughs> he was like, because I guess in the book, Prince Harry talks about him like going through, having a mushroom trip. And he was like sitting by his toilet and he had a full conversation with his toilet and the toilet was talking back. And the, the dude that was talking about it was like, I've had enough mushrooms to fill up this whole room. He goes, that's not what you experience while on mushrooms. He's like, not once have I ever had a toilet talk back to me. And I was thinking, I was like, yeah, that. You know, mushrooms, I've never been there. Like, I don't know if maybe he had some other shit going on, but I was like, yeah, I've never, I've never had that happen. I, I will say this, like that. So we always refer to that as pink elephants, right? Like this idea that when you get, you get real high, you see things that are not there. Like you manifest vigil, like you see pink elephants, right? So right. that, that like our, me and our friends, that was our co-word for like, like like really tripping balls like pink elephants, and I I'll admit like there was a time when I I had taken acid and I was looking at an ashtray and all okay, the that's cigarette, different the cigarette butts look like <laughs> worms acid. yeah but that it, it's similar enough and like the cigarette butts look like worms and it looked like they were moving but then I was like ooh and like no it was back to being an ashtray but right. as far as like hearing auditory having like auditory hallucinations and like conversations with the toilet I don't know. But I do know that most of my trips were somewhat scary or negative, and it reflected the, where I was mentally at a time. Right. I, I, I fully believe these people that talk about taking ketamine for therapy or like psilocybin or MDMA to like kind of help work through their shit. That's what happened with me when I first started taking that stuff. I was in a very like negative self-destructive place. And it was because of all that, that I kind of helped work through my shit. And as you can tell, I'm a much more centered, well-rounded individual now, (laughs) but, but a lot of my friends that like didn't have that level of introspection or were just in a better place mentally, they would take the same exact stuff that I would and just laugh for 13 hours. So I think, (laughs) I think it just affects everybody differently. Like if you don't have shit to work through, then it's like recess. But if, but if you have things that you're working on in your head, then it's fucking study hall and it can be grueling. You know, it just kind of depends on where you're at when you show up that day. So I don't know. I try not to yuck too many other people's trip stories and call them bullshit, but that sounds a little bit like pink elephants to me. And like, I don't know, dude. No, I get it. You know, I, 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 uh, I had a few, like a handful or more of, uh, gummies the other night and, I'm not going to, like, it's almost like you were saying with the worms and the ashtray kind of thing. Like, that's like, sometimes you just have to, like, shake your head, right? Like, or you blink a couple times and everything's back to normal. You're like, okay, what the fuck was that? Right. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, no. Uh, acid's a little different, though. I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, I have tripped. <laughs> well, I would say my experience with that was negative. So, I kind of stayed away from it after. Yeah. But, I mean... Yeah, no, I, I get it. Like, I get, like, but I it kind of makes me wish though. Like, you know, when you know, you go outside, you smoke a joint, you come back in, and you're having a conversation with your refrigerator. Like, that sounds like a good time. 
<laughs> I feel like my refrigerator would probably be calling me a fat ass, and I should probably stop opening it. And you know, it'd that's be what really I would mean to me. It. No, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd be like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> While you're trying to pick it up and like move it, like or, or like you know, scoot it like backwards, like so you can go behind it and unplug it. It's like, oh, what you can't, you can't move me, you, f- you, you fat piece of shit. That's what they'd be telling me. I already know, dude. That's harsh, bro. What? <laughs> no, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. Kids versus aliens. Any final thoughts? Uh, definitely watch it. You can watch it tripping balls, or you can watch it sober as fuck. Either way, you're going to have a good time. <laughs>